Happy holidays, Falcons fans. I am Will McFadden, joined by my fellow writer, Kelsey Conway. Matt Tabik, your normal host for the End Round podcast, could not be with us today. He is a little bit under the weather, but we are here to talk about a really fun and exciting 24-12 victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars, which now makes five wins in the Falcons' last seven games since the bye week. So, you know, Kelsey, looking at this game, what, what are your just general takeaways from today's win? Well, I think you have to start with Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, of right? Course. I mean, they were just the stars of the day. But I think the biggest thing was from the beginning of this game to the end, the Falcons came out with a purpose and they had, um, you know, one of their, I guess you could probably say their best performance at home, you know, of the year. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely one of them. And I think, you know, before the game I tweeted out and it was kind of my sense coming into today was last week was an incredible win against San Francisco on the road. But we've seen, we've seen the Falcons, you know, in recent years play that type of game against teams that, you know, they may be an underdog against or might be against one of the better teams in the division. They've got the talent to do that. And they usually play their best games, you know, against a team in, in a big stage against San Francisco, against you know, the Eagles on Sunday Night Football against the Cowboys when they came in in 2017. Like, those, those types of games haven't been the issue. What's been the issue has been, you know, when Miami comes in in 2017, when Buffalo comes in in 2017. Tennessee when you, this year. Exactly. The games that you're supposed to win, mm-hmm. the Falcons have tended to play down to the level of their opponent and maybe come out a little lackadaisical, but that wasn't the case at all today. They got off right off the bat, two quick touchdowns to really put their foot on the gas early. I mean, how impressed were you with this uh, the start? I was super impressed. I thought that that was the best first half the Falcons had played offensively and defensively in terms of complementary football. I mean, there wasn't a drive where you just, you know, the defense made a play and then the offense wasn't able to execute. Mm -hmm. I felt like the execution in the first half from a game plan standpoint and everybody doing what they're supposed to do was uh, almost flawless in the first half. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the defense, the Jacksonville only had 83 total yards in the first half. Meanwhile, the Falcons had 291. So, I mean, when, when that, that's the yardage output for both teams, things are going right for the home team. And, you know, we briefly touched upon Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, and I want to definitely talk about them a little bit more. They had two big record-breaking performances today. Julio Jones became the fastest receiver in NFL history to reach 12,000 yards in his career. He broke Jerry Rice's previous record by 17 games that's over a full season that's insane it's wild and it's the second week in a row Julio's broken Jerry Rice's record Mm -hmm. last week he uh broke Jerry Rice's record for most receiving yards through nine seasons and then he's like sure I'm gonna break another one of Jerry Rice's records and the best part about it is Julio Jones, you know, people talk about it all the time, but for those, you know, who don't really know this about Julio Jones, he is the most humble superstar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say in the league because I don't know everybody in the league, but one of the most uh, humble superstars and at a position where, you know, you so often see mm-hmm. people dub them as divas or, um, you know, players that could because they make so much money and they yeah. play that kind of, you know, high profile position. A yeah, bit, yeah. You know, yeah. Julio Jones is the most selfless, humble superstar. And if you ask any player in the Falcons locker room, they have the utmost respect for him. And I think nothing proves that more than when today after the game, um, you can check out this interview on AtlantaFalcons.com and on our social channels. I 
asked Julio what it meant to him to break Jerry Rice's record. And rather than say, you know, it, you know, it means a lot to me, he said, all of my accomplishments are because of my teammates. Mm-hmm. He then went on to thank Dirk Cutter for putting him in the right positions this season to be successful. Then to Matt Ryan for throwing him great passes. Then to the offensive line for blocking for Matt to be able to throw those passes. And then he even decided to include the running backs in pass protection. He went through the entire list before he even got to, hey, this was really cool that I did that. And I just think that speaks volumes of who he is as a person and a player. And I think even more so than what Julio said is when I went in the locker room and asked a bunch of the Falcons players, what Julio Jones means to them and just, you know, how impressed they were that Julio was able to reach this milestone. Grady Jarrett said, and, you know, Grady Jarrett's a Pro Bowl player now, yep. right? He said, Officially. I couldn't have a better role model in terms of how you act when you start getting praise. And I think that is just, that speaks volumes of who Julio is and the impact he has in this locker room. And I tweeted it today, but Falcons fans need to appreciate what they're seeing from Julio and Matt Ryan because it's not that often. It's pretty rare to have the type of quarterback and receiver play that we're seeing from these two guys. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we're we're around and we're privileged enough to be around yeah. these guys, but you're spot on. And, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Jerry Rice, he was a pretty good receiver back in his day. So. <laughs> Didn't they call him Jesus and Cleats? So what are they going to so, call uh, Julio when it's all said and done? Well, I don't know. He might be the uh, almighty father. Mm-hmm. But Matt Ryan, on the other side, he also – he went over – 4,000 passing yards for the ninth straight season, which is the second longest streak in NFL history. It's the longest active streak. He was previously tied with Peyton Manning, another pretty good player in his Mm -hmm. day, for uh, eight straight seasons. He's now behind Drew Brees, who had 12 straight seasons, but probably won't get to 4,000 yards this year and did not have 4,000 yards last year. So, I mean, Matt's playing as well as anybody in the NFL right now. And, I mean, he continued to play at a very high level today. And it's really incredible to consider that these two were able to, you know, continue to put up such high numbers when you consider the lack of other options in the Falcons' passing game. You know, and that's not a slight in any way, shape, or form to players like Russell Gage or Christian Blake or uh, Alameda Zacchaeus, but... You know, they lost Mohamed Sanu to a trade in the middle of the year, and then Calvin Ridley has recently gone on IR. So for as much coverage as, like, Julio demands when the Falcons have all of the weapons that they're used to, when it's really just him out there, they can – defenses can really just commit to slow him down. And every time he went out and kind of caught a pass, that you beside me just came alive because it is so much fun to see him, you know, compete and win one-on-one balls. But – you know, Matt was really, really putting it on point to make it easy, and he had a great game as well today. I know he threw two interceptions, and both of the first one, a deep shot to Julio, just seemed like he was trying to maybe take a chance, make something happen. The safety played really good coverage and made a good play on it. The second one was a little bit more on, on Matt, and the safety did make another good play, but it's probably not the right read. But, yeah, it's crazy to just think how consistent Matt has been. And we talk about Julio's selflessness. I mean, I don't know if Matt even talked about himself when asked about that accomplishment. He basically just went on to praise everybody else, just like Julio did. So, I mean, what do you see from Matt Ryan out there today? I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Matt right along with Julio Jones. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I thought something was really interesting. When you talk about the consistency with Matt, this week uh, we got to talk to a few assistant coaches, and I thought something that Raheem Morris said about Matt was really interesting. He said, 
they don't call him, you know, ice for nothing when asked about, you know, seeing his comeback. But he mm-hmm. said, I don't think I've ever been around a player who prepares and goes about his business week in and week out as consistently as Matt Ryan does. And he said, that's why Matt Ryan, not that Matt Ryan's ever okay with wins or losses, but Matt Ryan's never going to go into a game or leave a game knowing he left anything from the week on the table. Mm -hmm. And I think in order to be as consistent as he is, there has to be a superb level of preparation. And I think that Matt embodies that every single day in the Falcons um, facility. And it's just, it's, it's so impressive to watch the way, you know, he goes out there. And I mean, just some of those passes today to Julio Jones, you couldn't help just, you know, being like, oh, I mean, they were spot on and it's just a great day for Matt Ryan. And, you know, the pass protection, that mm-hmm. Jacksonville front was a good front and they gave Matt time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and another a really underrated part of Matt's game, I think, is his ability to buy time in the pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, he's everybody kind of can see when he gets into space and starts running and you know he's not the most agile or, mm-hmm. or mobile guy in the world, but it's the small things that he does inside of the pocket to buy himself time. And actually, I asked you know Dirk Cutter about that the last week after Jake Matthews one-on-one block when Matt drew the PI penalty, you know, on a deep pass to Julio Jones, but. What Dirk said was, you know, Matt deserves a lot of credit for that play. And I was originally asking about Jake Matthews' block, but he said that Matt was able to kind of keep Jake between himself and Nick Bosa by the way that he manipulated where Jake and Nick were in relation to him with his feet. And so it's not all just with his arm, but Matt is as complete a quarterback as you will find in the NFL. And a lot of that does come down to his preparation. I mean, one of my favorite things to do before games is go stand in the back of the end zone and watch both he and Matt Schaub warm up about 15, 20 minutes before the rest of the team comes out. And you could just pick any of those warmups out throughout the season and it will look identical to every other one. I mean, that is how consistent and routine driven he is as a quarterback. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about the offense, but let's flip over to the other side of the ball because I thought the defense played really, really well for, you know, three quarters. I know the the fourth quarter things tend to open up a little bit for opposing offenses, especially when you've got a uh, an 18-point lead like they did. You know, it's just that's how that's the nature of the NFL. Teams are going to get some yardage when they're trying to protect a lead. So, you know, Vic Beasley. Let's start with him because he now has a sack in three straight games. Where where the heck did this come from? Yeah, I feel like we owe Vic some credit. You know, Vic was, took some took took a little bit of a beating from some people at the beginning of the season, um, and we are seeing the Vic Beasley that we saw in 2016 when the Falcons, you know, went to the Super Bowl. You know, when Vic Beasley can get to the quarterback, it makes a difference for this defense. Mm-hmm. And I think that without Tack McKinley, yep. these guys didn't miss a beat um, in terms of, you know, they didn't, you know, get a whole lot of sacks on Gardner Minshew, but they just felt like they were bothering him all mm-hmm. day. And there wasn't that many, you know, blown assignments or, no. you know, he scrambled a couple times out of the pocket, but that's kind of what he does. But mm-hmm. in t- like the way they played in terms of their run fits against Leonard Fournette, I just like, I go back to they executed in the first half and like three quarters, pretty much what you said. Yeah. And we, I mean, we talked about preparation on you know Matt Ryan's point. I thought the defense looked really, really prepared out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, through halfway through the third quarter, I looked down, they had Jacksonville had 52 passing yards total, and seven of those came on that fake punt. So uh, it, that's crazy. It, again, this is the NFL. Everybody's good. They still have DJ Chark out there at receiver. They've got Leonard Fournette at running back. I mean, 
there's still good players on this Jacksonville offense. And you're exactly right. They really did pressure Gardner Minshew. I mean, there were a number of guys where the receivers maybe had a step on the corner, but the pass was not where it needed to be because there was a rusher right in his face. And that's exactly what we talked about kind of earlier on in the season when things weren't going so well for the defense. It was defenses that play really well marry pass rush with coverage because on every play, you're not always going to get perfect pass rush. You're not always going to have perfect coverage, but if you can do both of those things well, you know, enough times, you're usually going to get bailed out if you don't have great coverage because your pass rush is getting there to affect the quarterback or vice versa. So, you know, is there anybody else kind of on the defense that you felt, you know, definitely deserves some recognition for their performance today? Well, I think we have to start with Isaiah Oliver and Bleedy Ray Wilson. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when the Falcons lost Esmond Trufant a couple weeks ago, you could have easily said, I'm not sure what to think of the secondary. Um, you know, Isaiah Oliver's had his struggles that time. But, you know, I actually put out a story this week about Isaiah Oliver. Yeah, it was really um, good. He not only has cut down on his penalties, but the quarterback rating when, you know, targeting Isaiah Oliver is way down from, you know, the bye week. And his development is definitely a positive to take into what we call a lost season for this Falcons. But um, Bleedy Ray Wilson also, you know, stepping in for Desmond Trufant, like you were talking about with Gardner Minshew, it just felt like there were no receivers ever open. Mm -hmm. And if you look to the first part of the season, and I know it never should have looked how it did at the beginning of the season, but, you know, didn't it just always feel like there was a receiver wide open? You know, it just kind of felt like, what are they doing in coverage? And now it just feels like they're right there. And if they're not right there, you know, it's not a big play gain. And Mm -hmm. I just think the way that they're playing in the secondary – like you're saying, is marrying what they're doing up front. And it's just cohesively all being put together right now. And I think this is exactly what we expected to see from the Falcons at the beginning of the season. Yeah, even the one touchdown pass that, you know, they threw down that right sideline against Bleedy, it was really weird It was because Bleedy did kind of what he was supposed to do for about three-fourths of the play. He was right there step-for-step, step, had inside leverage. It was exactly on top of the receiver, which you're supposed to play it that way, on a go route. And then... I don't know if the the receiver just kind of outran him, was faster than him, mm-hmm. or Bleedy thought the ball was going to be over throat because it was it was a great catch, but it was it was just kind of a weird play. But you're right, this the secondary seems to be playing with a confidence that we really did not see for the first half of the season. Yeah, and it's it's really a testament to the defensive coaches. There was one play where Deion Jones, who looks faster this season than I think I've ever seen him, which is insane because he was already incredibly fast, but he diagnosed a screenplay to DJ Chark where as soon as the ball was snapped, he turned like he knew where that play was going before it even started, sprinted, and made a tackle behind the line of scrimmage for a loss. I mean, it was perfect defense. Yeah, I feel like I forgot to mention in coverage, Deion Jones and Devondre Campbell are playing as good as they have ever played in terms of coverage and Devondre's, you know, getting after the quarterback. I mean, there were a couple plays where, you know, he almost had Gardner Minshew Mm -hmm. down. Um, But they're a big part of the coverage because, you know, we're talking about the second level, but they're shutting down everything in front of them. And you talked about Deion Jones, but uh, Devondre Campbell is also having an excellent second half of his season. That's a great point. I'm I'm glad you mentioned him. And one person that I want to mention, and and we don't have to talk about this for too long, but uh, Ryan Allen coming (laughs) in, uh, stepping in in place of Matt Bosher, had another really good game today. 
pinned him deep twice with two punts. I think they landed inside of the two-yard line. And in a game like this where yeah, at times it felt like, okay, wait, if Jacksonville scores here for as much as Atlanta has controlled this game, if, if Jacksonville scores, it becomes a one-score game, and it's like, oh, man, all of a sudden you get a little tight again for, for as – crazy as it seemed that Jacksonville could kind of make this a game again, there were times when that happened and Allen's consistency to really flip the field at crucial times and never let Jacksonville's offense establish a rhythm, I thought was pretty big today. So Absolutely. And before we move on, uh, speaking of standouts on the defensive side of all, we can't gloss over the play of Grady Jarrett once again mm-hmm. today. And I would just like to thank all of the Falcons fans who helps get Grady Jarrett to his well-deserved first yes. Pro Bowl? Because y'all know I've been. He uh, he is more than earned that been recognition. Been on that, and he earned it. And today he just showed once again why he earned it. He set a <laughs> career high in in sacks. He got another sack today. He now has six and a half on the season. So congratulations, Grady. I have no idea if you listen to this podcast, <laughs> but if you do, Kelsey and I are very happy for you. Uh, so let's you know start to wrap things up and and turn towards next week. Honestly, I know Tampa Bay lost, but... They looked good. I think this team, if you take the version that we're seeing of Tampa Bay right now and start this season over, they look like a playoff team to me. They are playing that well. I know that, you know, Jameis has become a living meme, (laughs) and his quest for 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions is, like, really fun to watch, and, you know, Bill... Not not if you're a Bucs fan, though. (laughs) It's not fun to watch if you're a Bucs fan. Bill Simmons, who you know runs the ringer, has this running gag now where he basically believes in the first five minutes of any 1 p.m. kickoff game, there will be a Jameis Winston interception. At 1.02 on Saturday, he threw a pick six. So <laughs> it's kind of just must-see TV. Luckily, Falcons fans will get a front-row seat to it next week. But outside of Jameis, Tampa Bay is playing some really, really good football. That they were even in that game without Chris Godwin and Mike Evans speaks to how well the other pieces are playing around there, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So it's going to be – I know fans are kind of like, all right, this season, as you called it, a lost season and all that. But the way Atlanta's played recently, since the bye week, winning five of seven, I think next week is the perfect litmus test for, okay, where are these Falcons really at? Because in a lot of ways, Tampa Bay is doing the same thing. They look like they've turned the corner, you know, over the second half of the season. And you're seeing two teams that are playing their best football of the season heading into the finale. It's going to be a lot of fun to see which team comes out on top next week. Well, I think you totally nailed it. They're in very similar situations. But, I mean, Todd Bowles has done an incredible job with Mm -hmm. Tampa's defense. If you look, you know, in the past, it's never been a question of Tampa's offense. You know, we always knew with Mike Evans and um, Godwin and – Howard, you know, they were always going to be an Mm -hmm. issue to deal with on offense. But now they've paired it with a strong defense, and Todd Bowles is getting everything and more out of those guys, especially in the way that he's dialing up those pressure packages. Uh, It's been so, so impressive. I watched that whole game, and Mm -hmm. I was – what Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles have done with that Bucks team, if I was a Bucks fan, you know, outside of Jameis, I would feel – you know, right. optimistic about my future. But I think I completely agree with you. If I'm the Falcons players, I really had a bad taste after that game yeah. uh, against Tampa at home. Mm-hmm. You know, Matt Ryan got absolutely obliterated. Um, it just kind of was one of the really bad losses for the Falcons yep. this year. And I feel like the Falcons players, you know, I know they take it game by game. They don't really look backwards, but 
I mean, we're all humans. You can't tell me that they're not like, yeah, I kind of really want to get revenge. And what better way to end this lost season with a win, three straight wins against, you know, an NFC South team and, uh, you know, take care of business. But like you said, I think it's the perfect litmus test to see, you know, who these guys really are. Well, and what better way to end this podcast than on that note? Guys, thank you so much for, for listening. We really do appreciate it. Um, you know, happy holidays to everybody. Hope hope you can spend some time with your family, uh, with your loved ones, and you know, join us again. Falcons giving Christmas presents to people this week oh, with yeah? this win today. Oh, yeah. yeah there you <laughs> go. This is uh, the team's present to you all, and, and hopefully they can bookend that next week against the Buccaneers. I said on the radio before the game, I saw Dan Quinn walking out of the facility on Friday, and I said, uh, you know, good luck this weekend, coach. I said, I hope Santa brings you, you know, a win this weekend for Christmas. And he goes, let me tell you, it's the only thing on my Christmas list. So, well, he got there it. We go. He was, he a, he was a, good, a good boy this year. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you guys so much. As always, you know, rate and review us. Let us know what you think. And uh, we'll see you around next time.